Now, I'm going to be dealing with some things in, in this message uh, I'm not ready to be offered. Now, I have taught some things in verse 8. I already showed you uh, a crown of righteousness is laid up for him. And he says, to the righteous judge, when he come to give him at that day, all that been done. All of this stuff we are talking about has been done. And, and that's what we want to make sure you understand. Uh, this is not something that has to happen during our time. This has already been done. All right. Now, so what I want to do is teach you, show you what, what's already been done. See, that's what the message of grace is about. The message of grace is what God has already done. This is not prophecy. Prophecy is what God is going to do. So what people do is they go in the book of Revelation and they see the book of Revelation and they'll see the word prophecy and they'll say, oh, this still has to be done. But you got to understand it was prophecy at that time. But the Bible has been finished. The Bible is a finished book. It's not something you can add to or not something you can say hasn't happened yet and all this kind of stuff. And this is what messed up people in churches and uh, that's what I mean by they just got it wrong you know they're not bad people they just got it wrong and so what we got to do is get it right all right so what I want I want to do today is I want to talk about I'm ready to be offered now that same word offered is the same word as sacrifice same word offered is what same word as sacrifice. So that's, that, that's the exact same word. So I could have named this tape, I, tape, I'm ready to be sacrificed. Because that's what offered is. I'm ready to be offered. It, he, he's talking as an offering. And that's why he gave us Romans 12. Let's go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And you'll see this same thing that he is saying to us. And then from there we go to Romans 15, 16. That is what he's doing. First, we're going to go to Romans 12. This is the same spirit when he gave this. Remember, the apostle Paul is the one who told us about Romans 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, start verse 12. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, to beseech really means to beg. To plead with, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And then it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So, but it can't happen until you present your body a living sacrifice. Now, that is how God wants us to live, as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? Our reasonable service. All right. Now, let's go to Romans 15, 16. We're heading to our message. I'm going to show you some other things, but I'm going to finally get to Apostle Paul. I'm ready to be offered. Now, most people don't realize that Paul was beheaded. So when he says, I'm ready to be offered, it came to a place where he was walk, probably walking out the door. Just finished writing 2 Timothy. You know, and so he was going, he would get, he, he was ready now because he saw them coming probably to get him. And it's an awesome thing in that day that he was in. You didn't have but three choices of dying. And one of them was, we're going to show you all of these. One of them was crucifixion, which our Lord was crucified on the cross. That was the worst of all punishment. 
And then you had what Paul went through was the cutting off of the head, which was the second of worst of all punishment. You, I wouldn't want either one. And, and, and the least one was Stephen. He was stoned to death. So take your choice. There was not many choices. So we're going to show you that because when he said, I'm ready to be offered, that's what was happening to these guys. They were offered. I mean, when you're talking about presenting their body, they present their body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God with their reasonable service. They live and they died. They live and they died a sacrifice. And, and, and that's why I, I look at what we have to go through and what we have to do as Christians. And all God asks us to do is come to church. Come to church. It's your sacrifice. It's your worship. See, that same word. See, you don't worship God. Well, let's, I'll show you that. Put it, on, put it on the book also. We go to that Acts 17. And in just a few moments, just remind me of that. We'll go there. But let's go to Romans 15. See, in Romans chapter 15, first of all, we had to find out uh, that that's what the Gentiles are supposed to be. Can you put that in the NLT, Romans 15, 16, one verse? I know uh, we have uh, one of our guys out of, out of town this week, but I know y'all can handle it. Romans chapter 15, verse 16, just one verse. We're going to do that out of the NLT. And so we have to understand that our service to the Lord uh, is, is our worship, but it is our service. But so when we come in the church living for God, putting up with people, I'm one of them you got to put up with. You're putting up with all those things you're doing is your service. And you'll see that Paul says to the Hebrew, you have not yet resisted. Under blood, striving against sin. Awesome thing. So your, your coming is your worship. That's your service. That's your sacrifice. So you have to understand something. For me to be, for me to be here on Sunday mornings uh, b- before 6 o'clock, I just say it that way, on Sunday morning, it's a sacrifice for the last 20-some years. That's sacrifice. For me to be in prayer for you this morning, 12, I think about 12, 15. It was a sacrifice for me to get up out of my bed when I got to be at church that time in the morning and go in there and pray for you before I come here. It's a sacrifice. But the key is, either you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. If you're not going to do it, don't complain. But if you're going to do it, do it as unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. Whatever you do in word or in deed, do it as unto the Lord. And that's what he's talking about. Now, in Romans 15, out the NLT, and we're looking at just verse number 16, right? It says, I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles. Because he's speaking to the Gentiles when he said it. He says, I bring you the good news so that I might present you. Isn't that something? I may present you as an acceptable offering to God. Isn't that something? So his whole purpose was to present us as an acceptable offering unto God, made holy by the Holy Spirit. So he told you how you were made holy, by the Holy Spirit. But we have to give ourselves. That's what we have to do. So when Paul talked about, I'm, I'm ready to be offered, I am now, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't put the word noun in there, but if you haven't put it, it's okay. But I am now ready to be off. But the bottom line is it that it's an awesome thing for him to go through his whole life. And now he has come to a time as an old man, knowing that he get ready to be killed. Uh, where we go next? Acts chapter 17. And after that, I'm going to go to the book of Philippians. I'm going to give my wife an assignment in Philippians. Paul said, to me, to live is Christ. We'll go to that next. Just, I think verse 21, I'll give you that much there in Philippians. But anyway, let's go to uh, Acts 17 first. So we have to understand, uh, 
our responsibility is to live for Christ. I gave you that last week. I'll show it to you again. You can write that down. Uh, that'll be 2 Corinthians 5, 14. We'll go look at that 14, 15, 16, 17, those verses. Start verse 14, 2 Corinthians 5. You can write those down. Now here in Acts chapter number 17, I'm back to the NLT. I'm sorry, good news. No, King James. I like them all. Let's do it out the King James. Acts chapter 17. I didn't bring my good news out. Haven't used it for a while. I'm falling in love with the NLT. Look like. All right. Acts chapter 17. And watch what Paul talked about in verse number 22. Let's start with verse 22. In Acts 17, verse number 22. I'm going to get up and walk a little while. We got That's some more guys here. Thank you. Acts chapter 17 and verse 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars hills and said, you men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For I passed by and I beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him declare out unto you. Now you have to understand what Paul's talking about. You got to know Paul because when Paul talked about worshiping him, He's talking about living for. Say that when, when Paul talked about worship, he's talking about living for the Lord. So, so when you do anything else, it ain't worship. See, when we have, we putting bread on the table, that's no worship. You don't live for God because you eat bread and water, bread and wine. You, when you eat bread and wine, you come in because of sin. That's what you are saying. So you're not, you're not living for him because you, you do the bread and the water. You don't live for him because you get water baptized. Isn't that right? When somebody gets water baptized, you're not, that don't mean you're living for God because you just got water baptized. Ain't that right? People get water baptized, go right back and get high the same afternoon. That, you understand? You'll say your living for Christ is your worship. Now that's the sacrifice right there. And God told us how to live for him. Walking. If you go find these words, walking. He told you, walk in love. That's how you live for Christ. When you can love me when I'm not lovable. You walking in the spirit. That's another one. See, if you go look at the word walking, you, you'll find it. You'll find how to live. Your walk is your lifestyle. Walk in the love. Walk in the spirit. We walk by faith, not by sight. See, those are, you find the word walking, that's how you live. Those are your sacrifices, and it's not going to be nice. See, I have to walk in love. I cannot decide we're going to love somebody. Say, for example, we have a person named Mother Love, Mother love Patricia Love. We found out that she's down on 94 in St. John Hospital. Brother Yance and I this week got together and, and went down there. And, but the thing about it, we went to the room. They said, you can't see her no more. It's going to be about 15 minutes. Now, uh, mm, 15 minutes, huh? When you love, you go around and sit down. Wait till you can see her. And then when I went to, we went to her bedside, the woman says to us, uh, oh, I said, man, she's sleeping too good to wake up. The woman next door in the bed said, she's going to be mad if you don't say nothing. She's going to be mad. Now, the woman next, in the next bed, she's probably going to be mad if you don't wake up. I said, I take that from the Lord. And then when you said, I said, mother love, she went like, faster. Made our day, didn't it, brother? That's what it was all about. See, that's love. And so you have to do things like that. It's not, you drive 30 miles. I don't seem like we're 30 miles, but anyway. But we do that because we love people. You pray for people because you love them. You sacrifice it. It's a sacrifice. Amen. All right. So in, in, the, in the book of Acts chapter number 17, Paul said you had an inscription to an unknown God whom you ignorantly worship. 
God that made the worlds and all that therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. All right? He does not live in temples made with hands. So at that time, so we can use it for this way. Why do people put the communion table there? Why do they put the baptism pool there? Because they're trying to look at the temple that's been made with hands from the model in the Bible. You go back and look at the model in the Bible. Now, I'm going to do a series that I'm already working on that's coming. And you're going to see this in that series. So why do they put it there? Because it's like the temple in the Bible. The first thing you get to is the bread. When you have the temple of Moses, you get the altar of incense. That's, you get the altar of incense, you go in, you have the bread, you have the candlesticks, all that stuff. See, we make, that's how we do in churches because we got them from religious organizations. And the baptism pool, we got all this from the religious organizations. And that has nothing to do with worship. But if you take that away from people, they think you're not who you're supposed to be. Because they think that's the worship. Now, worship is you living for him, loving one another, your faith in him, believing him, trusting him. All right, here it is. Neither is worship, verse number 25. Neither, he doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. Neither is worship with men's hands, as though he need anything, seeing he give it life and breath to all and all things. So he, he, he does not, that's not how you worship. So let's go back and show you what the Lord said in John chapter 4. I'm going to take a seat here a minute. John chapter 4, I kind of like this spot. The Gospel of John chapter 4. Now in the Gospel of John chapter 4 verse 1, we're going to show you something. Verse number 24. John, I'm sorry. John chapter 4. Not 24. I'm not going to. Yeah, i go there next. Let's start reading verse 20. John chapter 4. I'll be here a minute. You got to make a move. It's okay. John 4, 20 said, Our father worshiped in this mountain. Now that's the same mountain where Jesus went to when he was water baptized. That's the same mountain that Israel went to in the wilderness. See, that's the same mountain in Arabia that Paul went to in his ministry. So these people knew what God was. It was he was living in the mountain at that time, they would say. So our father worshiped in this mountain. And you say that Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Well, at that time, that's where God had placed his name in Jerusalem. And that's where men were supposed to worship God, in Jerusalem. And then it says, woman, believe me, he's talking to a Samaritan woman now. Believe me that I will come when you shall neither worship in this mountain, nor yet in anywhere else. <laughs> in Jerusalem, where a man ought to worship. You worship, you know not, you know not what, you know not what you worship. For salvation of the Jews. But the hour cometh is where I want to get to. And now is. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit. So it had, it's not going to be in Jerusalem anymore. But that's what people told you who, who missed it. They said, when the Lord comes back, we're going to go to Jerusalem so we can worship the Lord. But we can't do it now because they have not built a temple. Oh, you wait till the next message. The next series, I, it's not going to be just one message. It's going to be a lot of messages. True worshipers, you worship God in the spirit and in truth. The Father seeketh for such to worship him. You worship him in spirit and in truth. You must have the spirit and you must obey the word to worship God. So when the word said walk in the spirit, walk in love, that's how you worship God the Spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So you have to be in the spirit and you have to be in truth. You have to be walking in love, walking in the spirit. That's how you worship. Okay, you know, it's, it's not what you do. It's who you are. 
He wants you to be the worshiper. All right. Now, let's go to the next one. What do we say? From the book of Philippians. Because we're going to do Philippians what verse? 121. I gave you the, the verse already. Philippians chapter 1. Now, Philippians chapter 1, Philippians, we're going to take off from here with our message. So, in Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse number 20. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 20, King James. He says, first, it says, according to the earnest expectation, expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be shamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified. Now remember, we talking about a man just got, got his head cut off. And he says, I'm ready to be offered. Now, when you say I'm ready to be offered, he's, he had to offer his soul willingly. Even if it meant cutting off his head. Stoning him to death, crucifying him. Each one of those, as a, if it was a sacrifice, it had to be willingly. Well, I'm going to give you a definition for sacrifice in just a few moments. He says, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or death. He's still magnifying the Lord. We left here last week. Don't, get, don't forget that teaching from last week because we told you how to strengthen your faith. So put down a verse we'll get to, and that's Proverbs 17, 7. Then in verse number 21, he says, for to me to live is Christ. This is an awesome thing, man. This is this, this, is this man's testimony. He said, to me, to live is Christ, and to die is better. I'm sorry, it's gain. It's an awesome thing when you are so prepared spiritually that it doesn't make a difference for you to leave here, it's gonna be better. See, that's when you that's when your life is right with God. And that's why I tell people, it's just like walking out of the flesh into the spirit. Your body, your spirit will leave this house and, and instantly you're present with the Lord. See, that's what you got to be ready for spiritually. You can't have nothing going on in your life that's going to bother that. All right. Verse 22 says, we're in Philippians 1, But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I would not. I'm in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire. Listen what he says. It's nobody in here can tell me I got a desire to depart this life. Come on now. This man said, I got a desire. How in the world you can have a desire to leave here? Paul says, I have a, having a desire to depart from here and to be with Christ. Now that's how much and close he is in his walk with God. Remember, Enoch walked with God and God did what? Took him. So his life was so in touch with the spiritual in Christ until he, he, he was like, I don't know whether I want to stay here with these people or go to be with these. I never had that desire before. I like being here. I don't want to leave here. Don't want to leave my wife. Don't, leave my, don't want to leave my family. Don't want to leave my church. Paul says, I'm going to straight betwixt two. Now, we're going to show you what that means at NLT. Philippians 121. Oh, my God, this is just so good. I'm in a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Somebody says better. Man, if you don't understand that, you're going to be, you're going to think you're missing something here. To be with Christ is far better. Nevertheless, he says, okay, I'll stay. To abide in the flesh is more needful for you. But for me to be with the Lord is better. 
to be in the flesh to be with you. That's where you, I'm, I'm going to do this for you, but for me, I'd rather be with the Lord. And having this confidence, oh, that's what it's about. That's where his faith was. His faith was that strong until he knows when he's absent from this, this body, he will be present with the Lord. Are you that sure? Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and your joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ for me by my coming to you again. Let's read that verse, Philippians 1, 21, out of the, out of the NLT. What an awesome word. It said, this letter, for me to live, for me, living means living for Christ. And dying is even better. Now, I don't think I, I, don't think I ever got there. I'm not looking to get there. So I'm going to read Paul's testimony. So now you can see why he said, I'm ready to be offered. Oh, my God. You know, when, I, when God gave me this, I got four or five messages. But when he told me yesterday, he showed me this is what I want you to do. I want you to teach on the Apostle Paul ready to be offered. And he said, I want you to show that word offer because that word offer is the same word as sacrifice. He said, I'm ready to be sacrificed. And he knew he only had three choices of death. And that is stone to death, put inside of a hole like a grave, and they cover you up. They stone you to death and they cover you up with stones. Well, I didn't want that one. And then the second was, is to cut your head off. I didn't want that. Then the Lord was crucified. That was the worst of all death. That was a slow death. None of those fit my, I, I'm not looking forward to neither one. Somebody say amen. All right. Now, let's, anything else out there I got to do? Well, I need to do, I, before I leave Philippians, let me give you another, Philippians 2.17 before I go anywhere. Look at Philippians 2.17 before I go anywhere else. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 17 before I go anywhere else. There's another verse I need to do. And then where I'm going there? Proverbs 17. Anybody? Yeah, Proverbs, anything else? 2 Corinthians 5, 14, we go that one after that. So let's do these, what I got out there before I go nowhere else, okay? All right, have the next one ready for me. You got them in line. All right, uh, Philippians, that's what I want to show you, right? Philippians chapter 2 and verse 17. Now in Philippians 2, 17, watch what Paul talk about. In King James, are you there? It says, Philippians 2, 17, that's, Yea, and if I be offered... That word offered being poured out like a drink offering. That's what he's talking about. If I be poured out like a drink offering, if I be offered upon the sacrifice, watch this, and service. I, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. Now this man is writing Philippians in a jailhouse, in a prison, and telling you to rejoice. Isn't that something? Telling his listeners of that day to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Why could he do that? He knew he was saved. He knew he had the Holy Spirit. He knew he was walking in the Spirit. He knew he was walking in love. And he said, I am ready to be offered. Just picture that you are in a jail cell and you look out your jail cell and you see Roman soldiers coming with an axe, with a blade on it this wide and an axe. Or a sword glittering in the sun. And you write, I am ready to be offered. Somebody give the Lord a big hand for this man. 
Man, I tell you, you talking about encourages me. It disencourages me. This, this take you to another level, brother. This take you to, to the real life. This is what worship is all about. Now, let's get those other two things. What you have? Let's go to Proverbs 17, 7. Somebody should have looked at it already and, and know if that's what I wanted or didn't want. If you looked at it, you'd be like, no, I don't think he wants this verse. It goes nothing with his message. Proverbs chapter 17. And verse number 7. And that's not it. Maybe Proverbs 7, 17. And what I want you to find in this, iron sharpness iron. I should have just said that. You, somebody already could have had it. Maybe Proverbs 7, 17. Do I have it backwards? Proverbs 20 and 7, right? 27. Boy, I messed that up real bad, didn't I? Proverbs 20 and 17. 27, 7. Yeah, that's how I got them seven messed up. Now, don't go out and play sevens on this weekend. That's Crump messed them sevens up. All right, Proverbs 27 and 17. Now, that's it. Are you there? All right, now, let's read that one. Proverbs 27, 17. Remember last week I showed you, and I didn't give you this verse, the Holy Spirit reminded me of it, that how you, you strengthen your faith. How many remember that last week we talked about? Right. So we saw Abraham was strong in the faith. Well, watch, this is one of the ways you have to be strong in the faith. Iron sharpens iron. Now you want to put down there, iron is the word faith. Because you have to have somebody in your life. Isn't that awesome? See, if you know what word means, it just opens up for you. So when the Bible said, when, 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 when this was written by Solomon, who gave us the wisdom, he said, iron sharpens iron. Now, iron means I have somebody in my life who have the same faith I have, want the same purposes of life, and because they can be a friend in life, a brother and sister in life, they can sharpen my faith. Now, see, that's the purpose of fellowship. See, you don't need a fellowship with anybody that, that's not saved. They can't sharpen your faith. They can't help you at all. Spiritually. As a matter of fact, they keep you from the things of the Spirit. That's why Abraham had to separate himself from Lot. Because Lot represents the veil. It's like putting a veil, a petition, between law and grace. So when, when God, when Abraham wanted to, Abraham had the grace of God, and their lot was on the other side of the veil, which means the law. That's what it really means. It separated them from one another. All right? So here in Proverbs 27 and 17, iron sharpens iron. Faith sharpens faith. Say that with me. Faith sharpens faith. So you got to know when God puts somebody in your life. And you got to know when, you, when God did not put nobody in your life. Amen. See, you, you, you got to know when God puts somebody else in your life and though their people are born of the Spirit and they love the Word, you love the Word, they're here to lift you up. And you're there to lift them up. But you really sharpens one another faith. Now that's an awesome thing about iron. You can't find nothing else to sharpen iron but iron. You can't take other materials and sharpen iron. Let, let, me tell you a little, let me tell you a little something there as a skilled trade person for 20 plus years. The only way you can really sharpen iron is one of the persons that have the iron going to have jagged ends. How many ever seen a file? How many ever had a file Anybody pick cotton? Chop, I mean, chop cotton. You chop cotton, you had a file that sharpens the iron, right? Sharpen your hole, right? Well, why it, why it took the iron to do it? And did you notice that on the, on the file, 
It has jagged edges, ridges all down it. With that is how you file. So you can't sharpen the iron if both of you are smooth. So the, so the problem in the problem in the other person's life is going to help sharpen your life. So all the things you have gone through in life is going to help out that person. Because you got all the jagged edges. You can tell them all the stuff you went through. Come on, clap your hand. That's good. So that's why God put people in your life that haven't gone through nothing. They don't have no jagged edges yet. But if they sit down with you, praise the Lord. Let, sit down. Let me, let me tell you something. Everybody got that now? Right. And your job is to sharpen, keep them sharp, sharpen their faith. All right. Now, and it says, so a man sharpened the content of his friend. And that's what that, that person is a friend, but they need somebody in their life to bring them to where you are spiritually. And so that's why you went through what you went through. Ain't that right? Now God can use you to sharpen their faith and bring them to the place so now they can understand the edges. You get all the birds off them. You're you able to do it because you, you, you got enough to help them out. All right, that's just something I thought when he showed me that, that you supposed to got last week, but all right. All right, so the apostle Paul had, had to stay with them. That's why. Because he had all of the jagged ends and he could help them out to, to develop their faith. All right. Now, what, what else next? Second Corinthians. Okay, let's go there. Now, after we go here, I'm going to get in my message. All of this is just to get you warmed up. Second Corinthians. I'm serious. I got enough word. I got so much word, but I got to get you prepared. That's how you have to minister. You got to make sure the person know what you're talking about first. So here it is to live with Christ is your worship. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. I'm coming down. 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Your living for Christ is your worship. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the gift of the, for the, for the love of Christ controls us. That's what it means, constrained. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live, that's the verse, should not henceforth live unto themselves. See, the reason you're supposed to live for Christ, when I say live for Christ, is God needs you. He, need, he saved you because he needs you in service. If it's nothing but help sharp somebody's iron. He needs you in service. You the one got all the jagged ends. Don't leave with me now. See, if a new convert come in, who going to sharpen his iron? You who been through something. Ain't that right? That's why you had a Mary and then you had a Elizabeth. Why would he put Mary with Elizabeth? Can't you see the difference? Right. Now, and that he died for all, and they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto them which died unto him, unto him, unto him which died for them. He died for us and rose for us. So because he died for us, I ought to live for him. Give Lord a big hand. That, that, that's something you don't never want to forget. So you're not, you're not living for him. You're not living for him because of me. You live for him because what he has done for you. Remember, Christ died for our sins, buried for us in our own grave. See, there's no grave for me. There's no grave for you. All right. Now, what I want, I want to take you to now, I want to take you to uh, the first one is crucifixion. And I want to show you that, that before Christ was crucified, his soul had to be willing. If not, he could not have been us offering. Let's go to Matthew 26, 36. 
If Christ did not serve the Lord in his death, willingly, it could not have been a free will offering. Let's go to Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46. And if we have time, we're going to go next is John 12. So put these two down. If we can get these two, we're doing good. John 12, we're going to look at verse 19 through 33. Put down the word offering. Let me give you that definition. You want to put down the word sacrifice. First of all, you sacrifice the offering. That's why they are one. Without the offering, you had nothing to sacrifice. It must be an offering that you sacrifice. The word sacrifice means to give something up. This is what it means when you sacrifice something. And if, if it's not this, it's not a sacrifice. So when God said present your body a living sacrifice, what is he talking about? You got to give something up at a price which is less than its value. Let me say it again. Sac a sacrifice is to give something up or to sell something. So if I come out here now and I says, uh, you say, Pastor, uh, how much is that? What we used to say, dog, in the window. That's not what we would say. But anyway, if you say to me, how much is your life? So that's what we're dealing with, Christ's life. So Christ gave his life at a price for something that was less its value. I, I can't go nowhere till you get this. So you realize that Christ died for you, died for your sins. Christ is God's son. Christ is God's son. And God gave his son for you. That's why it's a sacrifice. We were less in value. That which is greater in value was given to buy what was less in value. Who would give his life, Paul says. He was talking about even he would dare to die. Who would give his life? So when Christ gave his life, he gave his life for me. I know he died for everybody, but I'm looking at just me. If it was just me, he would have died. And God looked at his son as greater value. It's just like taking gold and buying dirt. That's what God did. That's why every time you made something in the old covenant, you took dirt or wood, and you overlaid it with gold. It was as you covered it with gold. The wood was not what you wanted. It was the gold. But the gold would not have been able to be shaped like you want it unless you have what you need to put the gold on. See, gold is deity. It's really who God is. So everything in the temple was overlaid with pure gold. It was covered with gold. So that's why when God saved you, he put Christ on you. The more valuable is put on the less valuable. Now the less value becomes as valuable. Do anybody understand what I'm trying to get you to see? If you watch a house, when they build a house, they build the house out of wood first. Now once the house is finished being built, you don't see the wood no more. 
That's what I do. I did like, like Noah when they built my home. I walked around it. Now, they started out just wood. Then all of a sudden, they began to put the brick on overlay the wood with brick all over the house so you didn't see no more wood. Hmm. Then I go inside and I don't see the wood. See, the wood is in the middle. So to make the house valuable, it's not the wood. It's the brick that you overlaid the wood with. So when you go in the temple, they built the temple starting out maybe with brick or concrete. But when they finished it, they overlaid it with pure gold. Everything in the holy place was pure gold. But your key is they overlaid it with gold. They covered it with gold. Gold gave it its value. Yeah, Romans 5, 7. I, I, get, I get there. Thank you. All right. Now, what am I on now? Because I don't have but a little time. Matthew 26, right? Matthew 26, 36. Let's go to that. Now, let's go. We're looking at Christ because this time of the year, uh, we are coming into the time for we celebrate Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Now, it's, it is really something where people are still celebrating the Passover instead of the person. Let me say it again. <laughs> See, that's where you're at. Either you're celebrating the Passover or you're celebrating the person. Put, put 1 Corinthians 5, 7 on the screen for me. See, that's what churches are doing. They're celebrating the Passover, not the person. So when you, when you taking bread off a table still, you're celebrating the Passover. People tell you, yo, we got we to gotta have communion today. We're going to celebrate the Passover. You're still celebrating the Old Testament. You're celebrating the type and the shadow of things to come. Christ is the fulfillment of the Passover. You know, it's like a picture in my wallet. I got a picture in my wallet, and in that picture is my wife. When I hold my, wife, my wallet up, I see my wife's picture. I've had it there forever, like she says. That's not Sister Crump. That's the picture. That's Sister Crump over there in person. But when I don't have the person... I can see the picture. So in the Old Testament, the person wasn't here yet. God helped me to see this. So I, you only had a type and a shadow and a picture. That's all you had in the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant is nothing but types and shadows and pictures of the truth. But once Christ come, I don't need the picture. I don't need the bread on the table. I got the living bread. I got the true bread. Jesus came and told them that. They said, look, you've been eating bread off the table. Everybody been eating bread off the table dead. And yet people keep eating bread off the table. I just can't get it. John 6, he says, your father ate bread off the table and they dead. They ate bread in the wilderness and they dead. I'm the living bread. And you kill me. They don't want to live in bread. People, people rather have people kill me because they don't. They kill me because I don't do the bread on the table. And the bread on the table is what killing you. When you read First Corinthians, it tells you: you eat and drink this without some, you're gonna die. Many of you in church are sick. He told you that's why you're dying. And yet people go like, keep on going, keep hearse, keep on rolling. Because you can't take the Passover unless you're in Jerusalem. Do you understand? It was the only place you could take the Passover was in Jerusalem. God chose the place you can take the Passover. Why do you think Jesus died in Jerusalem? The same time the priest was behind the veil celebrating the Passover, Christ was on the cross. And what did God do? Split the veil. And said, 
no more. The veil of the temple, the Bible says, was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. You can't use it no more. The veil was there because the veil represented the law. And the way to the Holy of Holies was now open for everybody. So that's why Paul said in Hebrews 4.16, come boldly now to the throne of grace that you can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's what people, they don't want grace no more. People don't want grace. They want law. They want, I got to do something. Work is over. Work finished. All right, Matthew 26, where we at, right? I get there. What I say? First Corinthians 5, 7. I put on the screen one verse. We're done. We'll do with that before I go somewhere. Okay, it says, First Corinthians 5, 7. Okay. Are you there? I thought it was up there. First Corinthians 5, 7. I go there. Purge out there for the old leaven. Told you, get it out the church. Purge it out. That you may be a new lump. Oh, that you may be a new lump? You look at this picture. He was talking about the man who had his father wife. He told him, get him out of the church. So you'd be a new lump. As, as you are unleavened. So he's talking to the church. You the one unleavened. Then he says, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Even Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. And yet people want the bread on the table celebrating the Passover. Because they're still trying to go by the calendar, the Jewish calendar. See? And so when it comes down this time of the year, especially April, this is the Passover. Because that's what they're going by because they're still in the law. They are still under the law. So under the law, guess what they got to do? They got to keep the Passover. And yet the churches, the churches that know better still trying to do what they do. Keep the Passover. Well, no, we ain't Passover communion. Same thing. The bottom line is it. You're eating the bread off the table to get rid of your sin. That's why you tell everybody in the church, now take a moment, make sure you ain't got nothing in your heart against nobody. And we sit up in the church like, well, okay. You got all against your brother and sister, go to your brother and sister now before you take the Passover because it could kill you. And folk like, I don't know nobody I'm mad with. Okay, let me eat. <laughs> I mean, we doing stupid stuff in the churches and people like, no, we can't stop doing this because you following Crump. Crump going to lead you out of the law. Thank you. That's my job. My job is to take the law from you. All right. We're going to start here at Matthew 26 now. What verse I tell you we're going to start with? Matthew 26 and verse 36. It says, Then coming Jesus with, with them unto the place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here. Sit you here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and his two sons. Remember these two sons because we're going to see them in the book of Acts. He took with him Peter and his two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorry for even on the death. Anybody know the two sons of Zebedee? You can put in your notes. They're called James and, and John. Yeah. Then, then says he to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrow for even on the death. Tell you here. And watch with me one hour. Remember, he had James and John, and he had uh, Peter. Peter, James, and John. The beginning to be sorry, very hairy. Watch with his soul. His soul, remember? Then said he to them, my soul. Here it is. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even in the death. He did not want to die. When you say that, come on, everybody. I mean, your soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even in the death. You really don't want to die right now. So what did I say earlier? If you're going to become a sacrifice and an offering, you got to do it how? It must be willingly. See, your service to the Lord must be willingly. Nobody got to provoke you, call you. I don't call you to come. I don't ask you to come. Your service is voluntarily. 
So if you waiting at home and say, well, Pastor Crump ain't called us up and told us to come back to church yet. Your service is voluntarily. God, what God do for you, call you to serve him. Is God being good to you? Nobody got to make you do this. This must be voluntarily and willingly. So you got to understand that. Watch what happened here. And verse number 38, he said, my soul is exceedingly sorry for even unto death. Tarry here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and he prayed, said, oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, as thou wilt. Can't you see that he was not willing to do it yet? And verse number uh, 40 said, he come into the disciples and find them asleep again and said to them, what could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Here it is. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can't you see? He was not there yet. He was not there where he needed to be at to give his life. So he said the spirit is willing, but the soul is, the flesh is weak. Otherwise, the soul is weak. Do anybody know what he said when his flesh is weak? The soul is weak. Do you understand what he's saying? My spirit is willing, but my soul is weak. That's the same word, because you're going to be an angel strengthening him, remember? But what you think you strengthens? Well, I told you that last week. Woo, everything is in. So what would he told him to do? Watch with me one hour. That's in verse 40. Verse 41. Now remember, watch would be prayer. Verse 41 said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the soul is weak. That's saying what King James was flesh. He went away again the second time praying and said, oh, my father, if this cup may not pass from me except I drink it, your will be done. He came and he found them asleep again for the eyes were heavy. And he left them and went again and prayed the third time, saying the same word. Then coming he to his disciples, saying, sleep on now, take your rest. Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. Behold, he is at hand that betray me. Now, what had he come to when he told them that? His soul had come to the place where his spirit was. And that's willing. See, he had to become a sacrifice. A sacrifice is a free will offering. So when God said, present your body a living sacrifice, he talking about a what? A free will offering. Nobody got to make it happen for you. Nobody can help you do this. Your worship is to the Lord, and it must be a free will offering. And my time is up. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Oh, well, I hope you get catching on. I just started. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 says, Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved. If you keep in memory what I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection had to happen, but it would not have happened. It would not have made any good sense if he was not a free will offering. He must lay down his life willingly he must submit his life on the cross he must humble himself that's what he did the bible said he humbled himself submitted himself to god even the death of the cross hey my time is up i thank you for yours and the door of faith is open unto you
Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org. 